were in session six. Remember the promise. Um, the promised return of Christ gives believers hope when grieving. We'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. Uh, this is a fairly straightforward, fairly simple lesson. I mean, I'm not expecting famous last words. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not expecting the, to take very long with it, but it is a good for us to remember that we have hope and that we have purpose and those sorts of things as we look at this. So we'll go ahead and we will jump right in uh, with it. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and 14. Somebody read those for us. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, though Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. All right, like I said, pretty pretty straightforward. That's one of the things when we do the epistles, um, preparation is, is much easier because the lesson is obvious. <laughs> Paul is not uh, mincing words. But some of the things we need to consider why Paul is needing to write this. I mean, this is pretty basic doctrine. But remember, the Thessalonians were being persecuted. Those that were secular, Thessalonian, Thessalonian peoples, um, worshipped, you know, the gods, the emperor. Do those pagan religions offer hope? No. No. What do they offer? Empty promises. Huh? Empty promises. Okay, they are empty promises, but specifically, what happens in, in those paganistic religions when you die? You die. You die. Uh, you, you are, but when you're alive, you're not being persecuted for your faith because you're doing the right thing, air quotes there. Right, but what do they, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to find out, what is it they believe about death? What is their view on it? Some believe you in a, annihilation. Annihilation? Like you go back to nature? You go back to nature, yeah. Either you cease to exist altogether, or you go back into nature. What other, what other Reincarnation. Option? Reincarnation. You go, you die, you come back as something else or someone else. Yeah. What about the ancient Greeks? Where did your soul go when you died, according to the ancient Greeks? Oh, there's different lands, like Hades. And yeah, Hades. Hades ruled the underworld. And it was a place of torment and endless pain and suffering, unless you were exceptionally good, and then you might be get a little better treatment, right? You might be in air conditioned hell. Yeah, you might be in air conditioned hell. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting place. Y'all seen Hades? He runs around, stabs all the souls in the sea of goo that they live in. You have to pay. If you don't have money, the Egyptians, if, if, you're, if you don't have the money to pay to get in, you have to pay to get through the gates. That's why they put silver coins on people's eyes, it's to pay the ferryman. That was your payment. You have to bribe the boatmen to take you 
a cross. Otherwise, your soul wanders aimlessly until you can, until somebody pays your way. Oh, it sounds That's like the Klingon. <laughs> That's where the Klingons got it. Uh, yeah. Trekkie, you were Trekkie. Yeah. Stovacor. Yeah, but that's that the the world sees it. The, the Egyptian gods would weigh your soul against a feather to determine where you went. It was either utter annihilation or you would move on to the next life. Valhalla or Well, yeah, that's the Vikings. I know. Yeah. But yeah. And so they would take your soul and they put it on a scale, they put a feather. And the idea being that if your soul is heavy, that it's weighted down with bad deeds and evil things. It's not quite karma, but it is, you know, how the, how well did you live life? And that's, you know, and if you lived life well, you would be happy, bubbly, light is a feather, and the feather would weigh more, and thus you're the kind of person we want in, to go on to the next life. If you're a miserable miser, just nasty kind of person, you're going to have a heavy soul, and yeah, nobody wants you to move on with it. Um, and these are screwed. Yeah. In the early days. Yeah. But that, I mean, that was the general. Now, Pharaohs, on the other hand, they had a whole different thing. If you were forgotten, you ceased to exist. That's why they built those huge pyramids and those monumental structures so they would never be forgotten because to be forgotten is to cease to exist. Uh, but these, these are pagan religions. This is what most of the world believed about death. And it didn't, they, they didn't offer a lot of hope. There isn't a whole lot of, yeah, I can't wait till I'm dead kind of mentality, right? This is all there is. Get what you can get. Um, yeah. A lot of that is has... Kind of like today. Yeah, kind of seeped in today. And um, the church, unfortunately, was beginning to think that because the Judaizers were showing up. Remember, that's the other group that was after the Thessalonican Christians. Just become Jews again. Give up this Christianity and just be practicing Jews and all that. The problem is, is that half the Jewish system said there was no resurrection. The Sadducees did not believe that there would be a resurrection, that when you were dead, you were dead. Now remember, the Sadducees were Hellenized. They worked with the Roman government to control the Jews, to keep them under control. And it was the big argument with the Pharisees. If you remember, Paul is arrested by the Sanhedrin, taken into custody, and he makes this whole argument that the whole reason that he was arrested is because he believed <clears throat> that, he was, that he believed in the resurrection, which set the Pharisees against the Sadducees. It started a riot in Rome. He ended up getting a, uh, saved by the Roman guards. They took him into the fortress of Antonia, all because he was of one sect and... The other, and the Pharisees and Sadducees are fighting right there at the steps of the temple. And, uh, you know, Paul blames the whole thing and eventually goes to Felix and is tried. Yeah, go ahead. See, being an instigator is biblical. <laughs> <laughs> being an instigator is biblical. Well, you know, it worked out for Paul. But there was, so you have these Judaizers that are going around. And part of the problem is, is that they don't really believe 
in the resurrection. Now, it's interesting. Um, I didn't think about it because I hadn't finished going through all my pictures, or I would have put a picture up for this. In Jerusalem, there's the Dome of the Rock. You all know that. You've seen the pictures. On the one side that faces the Mount of Olives, there's a gate. It's currently sealed, closed off. It's the king's gate. The only person who entered that gate was the high priest once a year on his way to go to the Holy of Holies. He was the only one that was allowed to use that gate because it was the king's gate. The only other person that would enter through that gate was the Messiah when he came. Um, he would enter that gate. That's actually the gate Jesus rode the donkey through on the day of um, Palm Sunday. Yeah, I couldn't think of the word. His triumphal entry is he entered that gate, which is what the outrage was by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because that's the king's gate. The Messiah rides in that gate, or the chief priest on the one day of the year. Here comes Jesus riding through that gate. Well, today, as we speak, um, we saw that gate. It's All the dirt's been moved away. You can't get to it. It's like 20 feet up. It's sealed by the Arabs. And they built a um, cemetery in front of it. It's an Arab cemetery beneath that gate. Yeah. So you have to come through all the dead Arabs to come in that gate. And across the way, the Kidron Valley's there. It's a really deep valley. Is the Mount of Olives. And that whole mountain, that side that faces where the, uh, that gate is, is a cemetery. It's a Jewish cemetery. Um, if you want to be buried there, it's $500,000 to start. The Jews pay $500,000 to be buried in that cemetery. Do you know why? Because when the resurrection happens, they should be one of the first ones up. Exactly, because the Messiah, it says, will come and touch down on the Mount of Olives and stroll across the Kidron Valley and enter Jerusalem. And with him, he will raise the dead. Well, the Arabs understand and believe that to touch a dead body will make you unclean and all that. So they build a cemetery there because... He's supposed to be holy and all this. He's not going to want to be touched by dead people because then he wouldn't be able to do it. So they built a cemetery to keep him out and sealed up the gate and all that. On the other hand, the Jews are like, yes, we want to be the first raised when he returns. And so they pay $500,000 to be buried in the way. <laughs> so they'll be the first to be raised and, and all that. We're a racket, right? And yeah, yeah, it is quite a racket. <laughs> I mean, this, you, you understand, death is big money. Yeah. And it, the, the beliefs are as far apart and as crazy as you could dream Must of. Must be you can take it with you, then. <laughs> or not. So, uh, yeah, when, when we were there, and I'm looking at this, I'm like, why is there a cemetery here? This is supposed to be the Mount of Olives. It's going to have olive trees on it, right? And they, the guy's explaining it to us. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. We, we were blown away by that, too, when we were there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and this is the thing. This is why, Paul, I don't want you to be uninformed. Let me tell you the way it's really going to be, brothers. Uh, and it's interesting, as we look at this, Paul 
uses the word asleep. The idea is, is that we're not really dead. They're not really dead. It's a very Christian idea. Most other religions see death as being dead. There will be a resurrection, but they don't believe in a bodily resurrection. You realize that Christians are one of the the, the very few. Um, there, there are a couple sects of other religions that, that believe in a bodily resurrection. But we believe in a bodily resurrection. Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. You're only sleeping. Now, here we are. We're modern men. We're very scientific. <laughs> we want to know, how can there be a bodily resurrection people who, like, you know, buried at sea? Or cremated? we got too many questions. <laughs> Is it impossible for there to be a bodily resurrection? No, because we're going to get a new body, aren't we? Mm -hmm. So what difference does it make? But Paul tells us it's asleep, contrary to the vast majority of the world. This is a believer's hope. This is the one religion that offers hope in death. Most other religions offer release, not hope. Release from the pain and suffering of life. Particularly if you start looking into the Hindu religions. Uh, the whole goal is to, to cease to exist. To end the suffering cycle. We're like, no, man, I can't wait to die and come back. They're like, no, please end it. The false teachers that were roaming through the churches in Thessalonia were teaching that dead is dead. And this was disturbing because many of the believers had heard Paul teach that there will be a resurrection. And they're like, no, there's no resurrection. When you're dead, you're dead. If, the, if Jesus doesn't come back before you die, you're not going to heaven. That was what they were teaching. Which fits many of the pagan religions and certainly the Sadducees' view. Um, so you have, they were hoping that Jesus would, would come. I remember last week we were talking about how they were quit their jobs and were just living on alms and all of that because they were waiting. They expected Jesus to come back right away. That's one of the reasons they thought it was going to happen so fast. Because if we die, we won't get raised again because that was what was being taught by these false teachers. Paul says, no, they're not dead. They're just sleeping. Death is the beginning of new life. Which is interesting because there's all sorts of weird spiritualist ideas out there, particularly from like the late 1800s, early 1900s, with the occult that death is but a doorway to the next life and stuff. And people would try to open the doorways and, and contact the spirits on the other side. That really you, you move on. And that there's a lot of weird. They took the Christian idea of the resurrection and instead of actually being raised from the dead to Christ, you passed on to another world. That there, It's the entrance to other universes. The big movie right now, I guess, is uh, Doctor Strange, the multiverse. Well, that whole idea comes out of that occultic thing that there is a multiverse out there and that death is how we get from one to another. You go to another universe and you'll live a life there. And you'll have a whole life there. And you'll die. And that'll open the door to the next one. And that 
practitioners of this try to crack those doors open so that we can see in and plan better for the next life and stuff. But Paul says, no, no, we're, we're just sleeping. We're waiting for Christ to resurrect us. He tells us that the grieving is okay, but the grief should come with hope. That when we are dealing with somebody who died, yeah, it's sad because we've lost that person, but it's not the end. And we shouldn't grieve as the unsaved, those who have no hope. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those funerals with people um, who have those kinds of beliefs that, you know, this is the end. Uh, the wailing is, is endless. And it goes on and uh, it's sad. Because when we, when we have loved ones that die and that are believers, we look at them and we know we're going to see them again. That that's our hope. That's the biggest difference between us and the world. We know what's coming. It's not a mystery to us. Brothers, let, me not, let you not be uninformed. We're informed. Do you ever think about that? We know. That's why I want to party. Okay? <laughs> I don't want mourners. I don't want dirges sung. I want, I want to man, have a party, enjoy celebrating whatever, because I've done all that there is to do, and you know I'm, I'm good with that. I'm going on to a much better place. Comments, questions? Go ahead, Penny. Uh, yesterday, <clears throat> I was talking to somebody from a, you know, one of the churches that gives out dinners. And the verse that came to me, he was talking about hope. And there's 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Mm. And I really like that verse. Yeah, because if there is nothing beyond this, then we, we, it's a pointless life. Mm. But if there is, if that, that exists out there, it's a, uh, it will be a blessing. All right, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, 15 through 16. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede, not precede those who have fallen asleep. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. There you go. He's declaring that the dead will rise first. Those of us still here, guess what? We're not, we're, 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 we're not first. They are. This is the whole reason that those people are paying $500,000 to be buried on the Mount of Olives. Can you imagine? But this isn't a New Testament concept. Everybody thinks this is a New Testament concept. It's not. The whole idea of the resurrection comes from the Old Testament. The, the Messiah was going to do this. The uh, Israelites believe it. They know it. And Paul is reiterating that this is what Christ is going to do. This is Christ's return. The problem is, is that they, the Old Testament is, refers to the coming of the Messiah 
And it doesn't differentiate that there's two comings. And this is part of the reason why the Jews have not accepted Christ, is that they were looking for the king. Jesus didn't come to be the king, he said. That was why he kept, wouldn't accept the crown. They kept offering it to him. They kept, the crowds wanted to make him king. And it wasn't his time. He came to be savior, which means he had to be the suffering servant. Uh, he was beaten and all that. The second time he comes, it isn't going to be that way. He's coming as the king. He's coming with his army, and it will be the apocalypse as he deals with the world that has turned against him. Um, but his return will first and foremost raise the dead. Those who served him in life will be called forth to join him. And then those of us that are still alive at that time will join them. There's your army. And yeah, he's still going to have the legions of angels too. Uh, can you imagine the, all the dead? Uh, and this isn't... See, we, we think of this in terms of spirit and all that. This is a physical resurrection. The graves are going to be opened. Can you imagine the turmoil in the world? I don't care what kind of uh, totalitarian country you're in. There's Christians there, aren't there? They may be underground. They may be meeting in sewers or whatever. How many have been executed? And all of a sudden, all those mass graves that have been dug and hidden... Everybody's going to know where they're at, aren't they? Because the Christians are going to be coming up out of those graves in that day. As they are resurrected, it's going to be a scary thing. It's going to throw the world in turmoil as they all join him as he's standing on the Mount of Olives. I mean, you think about that. How many are in China? Legions of Christians that have been killed over the last century by Mao and all his predators. Uh, not predecessors, um, whatever the other Followers. Huh? Followers? Yeah. Have killed and buried secretly. Not going to be secret a whole lot, are they? We're going to know what happened to those missionaries that disappeared into the jungles of Africa. All those that were murdered in all those Southeast Asian countries. All those that were disappeared into Russia's Siberia. We're going to know. They're going to show up physically, bodily. They're going to rise. It's, it's going to be uh, amazing. It is a physical rising. It's not just spirits. It's not going to be all these ghosts floating along. Um, now, what are we going to look like and all that? I mean, we as modern Christians, we, we get hung up on that. I don't know if I'm going to look like me or I'm going to look like somebody else. It, it's irrelevant. I'll have a physical body. And it will be changed. <laughs> That's That's Thank you. This is a physical resurrection. The wording that Paul chooses here, um, that it will be a cry of command. You know what? It's going to be as it was seen in Bethany, but on a worldwide scale. Remember Christ standing before the tomb in Bethany? What happened? Lazarus came out and that was... Yeah. And Jesus stood there and bellowed into the tomb, Lazarus, come forth. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's saying right here. It's going to be Christ standing on the Mount of Olives 
and he is going to shout with a command that, that his people come. And they will. Just as Lazarus had no choice but to get up out of the grave and walk out, we're going to be raised. It's going to be weird for those of us that are still here. I don't know if any of us will be, but if this will be a televised event, I am sure. Uh, you know, because, you, well, you look at all the movies, the zombie apocalypse movies. I mean, we, we are in love with the idea of the dead rising. We make, I don't know how many movies there are, how many TV shows of the dead rising and eating everybody's brains and chasing them through streets and all that. It's not going to be like that. They're, they're going to be going to Jerusalem. They happen them. so quick they can't get their cameras and stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's, <laughs> and they're all going to be there. They're going to be standing with him <coughs> as he marches across that Kidron Valley to take his place in Jerusalem and set up his kingdom. That's going to be interesting. <coughs> the guy stands there with legions of dead. Well, we thought they were dead. <laughs> Not quite so dead anymore. Serving their king. Do you, do you understand? This is what Paul's, this is our hope. It's not a sad thing. We go to that. That we will be part of that. To meet our Lord and Maker. Our Savior. Our King of Kings. Comment? Question? It's going to be impressive. It will be impressive. <laughs> it was impressive when Lazarus, I mean everybody was so greatly concerned. The crowds were going out to meet him to see that it was true, yeah. and the religious leaders were terrified. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think but, anybody that's left that is gonna, they're just going to not just be in shock, but they're going to be like, "Oh no, we," you know, if they've heard the gospel and they remember it, they're going to be like, "Oh no, we were wrong." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, it, it will be. It's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be something. All right. One more section. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 17 and 18. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. We don't hear a whole lot about this, do we? Mm -hmm. It's rarely talked about. I'm the worst person at funerals, especially if it's somebody I know was a believer and had served God their whole lives. I, I just can't be upset. I can't be unhappy about it. I'm happy for them. Like I said, I'm, I'm terrible at funerals because they've gone on to a much better. And I think that's part of the problem is, is that we don't see it. We've been caught with a worldview that says this is all there is and we need to have the best life we can possibly have make the most money, get the nicest house, the nicest, and we, we, we've been captured by this idea that this is all there is, that we've not really considered the alternative. This isn't. This isn't the only life. This is just a way station. We have all lived eternity. I've often said it, I can't wait. I want to fish in the Crystal Sea. I don't know what kind of fish you're going to but I'll have eternity to, 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 to try and catch something. Uh, I mean, there's, 
there's just so much. I don't think we ponder that enough. We're too consumed with what's here and where we're at and what's going on and all that. Um, not that we don't care about this life or the people that are in it. But the next life is where things will be the way they're supposed to be. We spend a lot of time and effort trying to fix everything here. Oh, we just had elections. Hmm. And we got to get the right people elected. And as we're picking the candidates for November and all that, how many hours were spent by people going around door to door or whatever just to get the right people in so that we can fix the problem? Well, fixed nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, you, you might adjust it for a while, but let's face it, the world is the world. It's the next life. It's why I do what I do. It's because I, I'm more concerned about what comes, because that's forever. This is just temporary, transitory. It's our reunion. See, this is how I see it. Death is not death. It's a reunion. The ultimate family reunion. Yeah. <laughs> Our fellowship is going to be restored. Our fellowship was broken in the garden by sin. Our fellowship with God. Our fellowship with each other. I mean, you think about it. Right away, Adam and Eve, he's blaming her. She's blaming the snake. All of that fellowship was broken. Even people that I really liked who are dead, there, there's, there's always a little stress in those relationships, they're going to be repaired totally. They will be perfect relationships with those people. We're restoring our fellowship. And not only that, on top of that, this is like the icing on the icing. Right? You get that cake, it's really nice. I mean, Y'all like, like a good cake. Then you put icing on it, and it's really good. But then you put icing on top of that icing. And that's what this is. It's going to be our fellowship is going to last forever. So now you get whipped cream on top of your ice cream on top of your cake. <laughs> then we're adding sprinkles. <laughs> then we're adding sprinkles. Yeah. That's, I mean, we're going to have a fellowship. So it's going to, it's not like when you, you know, you, you drive across country to go visit a friend and it's like, oh yeah, man, we haven't seen each other and all that. And you spend a couple of days to see him and it was great and wonderful and all that. But then you got to leave and you got to go. We're not going to have to leave. We're going to meet these people again as they're resurrected. And it's going to be restored. And we're going to have a perfect relationship. Because sin won't be in the way. And it's not going to end. And then we're going to have all those dinners that are promised. And all those other places. <laughs> we, we, you, can't, you can't just say, oh yeah, well, it's been great to see it. No, you got to go out to eat. <laughs> you got to go out to eat somewhere and have a meal. We're going to have all that. It's going to be a party. Death is not a horrible thing. <laughs> At least not in my mind. Death is not. I, I can't wait. I'm going to see relatives that I enjoyed that I haven't seen because they've been dead. Friends. And then I'm going to meet all these new people. All the people that have been connected through all the years of my ministry that I've never met. But because I taught so-and-so, they went and talked and met these people. I'm going to get to meet all those people. Amen. It's going to be phenomenal. That's why we, we got to have a meal because you got to go to the table to the table to meet everybody. Right? Yeah. Wow, that's the marriage supper, right? The, well, the idea is, is that death is but a doorway. 
to the next life. Those mystics and occultists aren't wrong. They just didn't get the right ways. It's not some mystical thing. The doorway is Christ. He said it himself. I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. Right. We've got to go through him. Salvation is the, is the doorway. Death is endless for those who don't believe, isn't it? That's what hell is. It's endless death. No God, no Christ, none of it. That's what's waiting you there. The other is endless life. And it's not going to be boring. We're not fat little cherubs sitting on clouds with harps. There's going to be parties. There's going to be things to do. There's going to be a whole new city for us to live in. I don't know what kind of jobs we're going to have. But it's going to be amazing. Let's not be concerned. We're going to be reunited with friends and family and people we don't even know. They know of us. You ever think about that? There are people who know of you. People that you've known through somebody else who have gotten saved because you talked or ministered to somebody else. And you're going to meet those people. Hope. We have great hope as believers. It's all right to be sad for that loved one that, that goes. But it's not a hopeless situation. We, we have an expectation and people look at us like, well, you're just weird. No. We have a promise because Christ himself was raised from the dead. Amen. He raised people from the dead. A little boy raised to his mother. <clears throat> Lazarus. So we know it happens. It even happened before that. God raised people from the dead back in Elijah's day. Right? It happens. We're, it's, this isn't false hope as the world. The world looks at us scientifically and says, ah, no, no, no. Your dead is dead. There's no spirit. Don't believe the hype. Don't let the world crush you under their ridiculous beliefs. There is great hope and there will be a reunion and it will go on and be endless. Comments, questions? I told you we're going to get done early today. Yeah. <laughs> I like this lesson. It's easy. Because it's so much fun. <laughs> All we want to do. Death isn't sadness. All right. A couple of things. Jesus' return gives us hope when grieving the death of a believer. Whether it be a loved one, a friend, a relative. We have hope. We don't have to be like the non-believers with it. Secondly, Jesus, is, Jesus will return in his full glory gathering all believers throughout the ages. They're all going to join us when he comes to the Mount of Olives and commands the dead to rise. You know who's going to be one of the first guys in the line? Hmm. I'm willing to bet. Moses. Hmm. Peter, John, Paul. They've been dead for so long, their bones are, are dust. But they're physically going to be standing there. That's going to be a little scary for the unbelieving world. For those people to return. <laughs> those people were scary in their own day. That's why they executed them or feared them. They're going to be standing there. 
I don't know how, but throughout the ages, those who have put their faith and trust in God are going to stand with us. And we will hail him king. Lastly, this is a certainty. This is a certainty. It's not a possibility. It's a certainty that Jesus will come. Why? Because God the Father said so. All the way back throughout the prophets in the Testament. Because Jesus himself told the disciples, I'm coming back. He himself stood before them and said, I'm going away, but I will return. And he doesn't lie. He's immutable. He doesn't change his mind. Oh, you know what? I don't feel like coming. <laughs> and isn't that happened? He is. If there's anything you can bank on, you want a sure thing, I'll put all kind of money on that bet. I'll take that bet because it's not long odds. It's a guarantee that he will come again. He's still preparing our ascension to heaven. Let's close in prayer. Father, <clears throat> you granted us the greatest hope that man can have. That there's more to life than this. Father, help us to live our lives with that truth in mind. As we go through and know that what we do here matters in the next life. And that the next life is a sure thing. And that you are coming again. Lord, I pray that you'd return soon. Bring this world to heal and your order upon it as it is in heaven. Father, we long for that day. Father, we long for the reunion with those that have gone before us, whether they be loved ones, friends, or people we don't even know but can't wait to meet. Help us to live with that as our motivation. In Jesus' name.